Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam and Ann here sitting with David Niles. Juan is not on the buttons. He's actually over there on the grill. He's currently on the grill where oh he has God. been. Do you see what he's doing? I d- no. It looks gross and fantastic. What is? What are you doing, Juan? Pastor. He's making pastor. I didn't know it was such a messy job. <laughs> that does look very messy. I would not want to do that. I'm not going to lie. Um, but Juan has been on the grill all weekend because we are at the Catholic Man Show Camp Out. The fifth annual Catholic Man Show Camp Out. Yes. The weather is, has been incredible. You know what? I was thinking about going back to October. Like the late October season, Just to add more suffering. Yeah, to add more suffering because everybody's having way too much fun. We are going to be talking about. This and so I thought it would be better to have more rain, uh, tornado warnings. W- w- right. That was fun. More ice. I remember. You remember Jim fin- uh, Finster? Who he, he, Jim is from California. He comes to Oklahoma for the very first time. Father, brother Nesbit. And he is out here. Have you even introduced Father Brother Nesbitt? I mean, like, oh, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. We're, Hello. We're here with Father Nesbitt. Father Nesbitt from Clear Creek Abbey. Priest Where of, the camp out is taking place. Priest yes. of God. Priest of God. Thank you. Uh, second time on the show. So you're, yes. you, are, uh, you really are living out the life of mortification. Yes. Um, here before our eyes. Uh, so, so, Father, we had uh, a, a good friend of ours, Jim Finster. He comes, uh, he comes here from California. California. First time to Oklahoma. He's out here. And all of a sudden, one of our phones starts buzzing and says tornado warning. Now, Jim is a guy, he is a guy who, who, who will just take take it with a stride, right? Like, he's, yeah. he's he doesn't get too worked up about much. No, he's, he is very chill. Very chill. Very chill. And uh, so, I walk over to his tent because the wind is going crazy, rain, horizontal yeah. rain. And I walk over to his tent. I go, Jim, I just want to let you know. We are in a tornado warning. It is going to be okay. I'm from Oklahoma. <laughs> we have a beer in our hand, and everything will be just fine. And he goes, cool, man. I mean, if I'm going to die, like this would be a great place to die. <laughs> yeah. Right on, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you open yourself another beer, yeah. <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. So anyway, so we're here with the Catholic Mansion Okay, but we we bumped it up a couple of weeks so that we have a little bit of nicer weather. This is our second second year though moving in into September. September. Yeah. Yes, yes. Which has been a which has been a great thing. Yes, um, and we're here with like you said, Father Father Nesbitt, and we had a sold out uh, Catholic Mansion camp out this year Re- in record time. Record time, like three hours. Three hours sold out. All these right. people, you're looking at people who are quick on the draw here, mm-hmm. right before you, Father. What what are you saying, Mark? Huh? Ten of them. <laughs> ten yeah, of them. Mark yeah, I did have to like del- like delete. Mark Gabriel over there uh, did sign up like ten times, okay. and, and it was he wasn't re- sure if he was doing it right. <laughs> yeah, and he was. So, and that he was. was. The That's the problem. <laughs> is he was. <laughs> yes. So uh, so yeah. So we're. At- it's been a great. Uh, we've had all of the like regular stuff. We have axe throwing. We've got the forge set up over there. Shout out to George Carpenter. Yes. Is he here? Is George uh, here? He's at the forge. He's at the forge He's right now. He's currently right now. over there. Making, at the forge, probably making something incredible. We had the t- uh, the two man saw. Yeah, the cross cut two man saw, which was really uh, really cool. I, I believe that Kyle and I still have the uh, the record, right? Uh, we were like a natural team, honestly. When we started, uh, there was a couple local gentlemen who showed up to instruct us, mm-hmm. and he said, "Younger guys that made us really feel <laughs> in a, inadequate. Like they, they were, were like." They were, uh, like 12 and 13, and they were like, no, here's bet. how you do this saw. And we're like, okay. I'll bet, I'll bet the oldest was probably 16. I'm that sorry. doesn't make me feel any better. 
He was uh, the younger one was. He was very knowledgeable. He was. Though. Yeah. He told us all about the saw, like the history, how mm-hmm. to how to do it. Mm-hmm. And he said, when Kyle and I started going, he said, "I'm going to hold back all of my critiques until you start having problems." <laughs> and we we're like, okay. And then we went, and he never said anything. And at the end, I said, "Well, what were the critiques?" And he goes, "I didn't have any. You guys were like professionals at it." Great. And I said, "That doesn't surprise Kyle, me." Kyle, you you, you <laughs> look said, you look at my eye. You, you look me in the eye and tell me that's true. He was not there <laughs> when I asked him that. <laughs> okay. That is true. All right. All right. But he, but at the same time, he knows it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? We went clean through that thing. We had no problems, except the fact that it's exhausting. How it long exhausting. did it take? Uh, I would say four minutes of hard work. Yeah. It was less than five. Yeah, that's balsa wood. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Look, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what kind of wood. It is. <laughs> uh, Father, let me ask you this: How's yes. your prayer life doing? Good, thank you. It's a kind of strange question for a radio show, but really, I'm sure there's more for it. Yeah, I mean, like you know, how's your? We like Good. to ask. We like to ask people that question. We have found that, like, in a world of small talk, if you ask someone, oh, sure. how's your prayer life?" Yeah, that's a good question to cut through. A lot of you can kind of jump ahead yeah. to deeper conversations right away. Good, I see that point. Yes, yes. Yeah. How is your prayer life these days? Good, thank you. Benedictines are known for the discretion, not speaking too much, or about that doesn't make good radio things, either, so. Father. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't have radio shows. <laughs> but yeah, the Benedictine. Prayer life is very structured and ordered. You know, you get the hours of the day, you have your Lexa Divina, reading the scriptures in the morning, and then in the evening, reading the lives of saints or spiritual reading. And what you're doing is trying to make that structure so that you can pray all the time. Um, and then you have personal times of personal prayer. And so, yeah. Um, you know. That is one great thing about uh, the order like of life. You know, you have a very ordered life. Mm-hmm. And you can you have uh, that order you can rely on. Yes, you know it's something that's steady that you and, can always and count maybe on. give you even freedom. Mm-hmm. That's right. You you don't ever have free time in the sense of you can do what you want, but you're always doing what you want because you want to be at the monastery, praying, praising God, and so it is a very freeing structure. Uh, it frees you from all those other concerns like what do I have to do now? Do I have to do this? Do I have to order that? Or um, so that's the point of religious life, too. You don't have to worry about providing the next meal. Somebody's going to kind of do that. You just do your part, um, your work. And so, so uh, yeah. So, uh, Father, we've got a few minutes here left in the first segment. For people who just aren't familiar with Clear Creek. Yes, uh, because you're also raising money. Our, our <laughs> lady of Clear Creek Abbey. Correct. Uh, would you just give a little background about um, the Abbey and your own yes. uh, vocation here? Yep, so we're a Benedictine abbey founded from France. After the French Revolution, Dom Garanger restored Benedictine life in France, and he was a diocesan priest before, so he didn't actually have experience of that life, but from reading the rule of St. Benedict and the fathers and customaries and things, he came to a very good conception of the rule of St. Benedict in its essentials, which is to praise God, to do the work of God, and so he set up that life in 1833, and that has spread uh, since. And then most recently here in America, 1999, this monastery was founded with uh, 13 monks from a few different monasteries in France. And uh, since then has grown to about 60. And um, so we're the, I think we're the only contemplative Benedictines in the U.S., strictly contemplative. So we don't do parish work. We don't do universities or schools. Uh, our work is just the work of God, praying in the church, you know, supporting ourselves through manual labor. Um, and so that kind of allows us to draw vocations from all over the U.S. for this particular charism. And uh, we've just had three new young men enter. And... Um, so by the grace of God, we continue to grow, but that causes a few problems because our building is not big enough right. to house all those. So some live in a, little, a trailer. We have a very ugly mobile home behind the monastery. Some of you have probably seen it. Little cabins where monks can stay. So recently, we've started construction on the next 
residential building, which will have yeah. the sacristy, the chapter room, and about 33 more cells. Currently, maybe 17, 18 monks live outside in various temporary housing. Um, so they would be able to move in, and then we'd also have room to grow since, I don't know, maybe there's a, just a few cells left open for new entries. Uh, so that's a big project. It causes a bit of um, distress to the monks. There's a lot of noise, a lot of commotion, and there's also, unfortunately, a lot of money. Um, so it'll cost probably about $13 million for a building, um, and we need to raise that money through mainly through the generous donations of people who want to support that uh, charism. Uh, the things we do for uh, making income, selling some of the animals, the rosaries, pottery, you know, books, that brings enough to kind of keep us going. But for a building, uh, we need the help of the friends take, of God. It take a lot of cheese. Yes. You have to sell a lot of cheese to raise yep. $13 million. Yes. But one of the things I love about what you're doing is that the building that you are building is going to be here in a thousand years. Yes. I mean, unless it gets blown up or so, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or Jesus comes back. Or Jesus That's right, comes yeah. back. Yeah. Which actually, that would be the, that would be awesome. Right? Yeah. What if he came back today, right? Yeah. We wouldn't need to I raise mean, any more money. Be We'd be done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll be right back. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. I want to give a big shout out to Jonathan Conrad over at the Catholic Rural Worker. Jonathan started his ministry with one sole purpose in mind, and that was get quality crafted rosaries into Catholics' hands. And he's been doing it now so well that he has opened up a storefront. He has a brick and mortar store. If you go to CatholicWoodworker.com, you can check out the whole facility. We're really proud of you, Jonathan. I remember when you first started this whole thing. Uh, we're thankful for your friendship. We're thankful for your uh, willingness to support the Catholic Man Show. If you guys go to CatholicWoodworker.com, use the program, promo code TCMS. You get 10% off all of your purchases. Uh, we just want to thank you, Jonathan, for your uh, love of our mother and the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all the good work you're doing to grow his kingdom. Cheers. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We have Father Brother Desmond here with us uh, of Clear Creek Abbey. He is, we just, we literally just found this out. I'm, I'm a little bit upset that I didn't know this before. He told me, he told us he has, he's the zealoter yes. for, the, for the young ones. I'd be bragging about that. The, like the newbies. Yep, I'd make newbies. a shirt. You the instill zealoter. zeal, you instill zeal, discipline, you know. But it's also not that glorious. You tell me, you no, know, you need to shine your shoes. Um, you know, you should blow your nose like a civilized person. You know, but uh, <laughs> is that an issue? Is that a thing? Could be. I mean, not everybody has good parents, or maybe they're not raised right. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta address all those basic importance yeah, of I fatherhood. Don't, I don't. I, I, in fact, I have a sibling, a couple siblings. I don't think they were raised right. <laughs> were they younger? Your dad is here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's me. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, I just love that title, Zelliter. Sure. It's a good title. Yes. It's, it's one to be proud of, I think. Yeah. Not you, that you would be proud because... As soon as you become proud, then you're not humble. Right. Yeah. And then you, if you rely on your own strength, you're not going to be able to do much anyway. You God's strength. You not be able to be a good Zelliter. Yes. Okay. So we have the tasting notes for the beer we're drinking. We didn't even mention that. We were so excited. Yes. So uh, we're drinking side the side eye saison from the Nook Brewing Company in Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have kind of a tradition. It's not like an official tradition of drinking Broken Arrow Brewing beer here on the campout. Uh, but Austin, uh, owner of Broken Arrow Brewery, he actually arranged to have this particular beer donated for our campout from the Nook. A new brewery in Broken Arrow. Uh, yes, which I really like. I like. 
I like both both of these places mucho. Yes. I'm a, I'm mucho fans. I am a mucho fan. So this is I'm gonna get, I'm gonna read this. Okay. Uh, the, the the company the Nook they took the time to put this together. This is the tasting notes of their side eye saison. You have to just take our word for it. Father. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a golden orange in color. I could have actually I already knew that. With minimal bitterness, a balanced and refreshing beer with just enough peppery and spicy notes to have you going back for another sip. This in moderation. This highly carbonated beer might have snobs calling it effervescent. If anyone questions why you're getting another one, feel free to give them the side eye. Side eye saison. That's what it says. I like it. It's it is a delicious saison. I've been drinking it in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Moderately, of course. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thank you to the Nook. Yes, uh, and Broken Arrow Brewing. And Broken Arrow Brewing for donating the beer. Yes. So, um, Father Nesbitt, we were talking for a while about mm-hmm. what should we be discussing uh, yes. today. There's a lot of things that I would like to discuss with you. Um, Most of them are irrelevant to the show. Uh, Maybe. Ma- many of them. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely a lot of that. Uh, but So, we were, we're going to talk about um, penance. Yes. Mortification. Yep. As the sun is beating down on our back. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Almost. It's getting close. I feel the heat. It's getting close. Right. feel the heat. Yes. Um, so, Father, uh, I just, I'll invite you to kind of like start us off here. Sure, yeah. Mortification. Um, especially, you know, we're, we want to talk about it with, uh, with the layman in mind, obviously, mm-hmm. because I think mortification for the monk, mortification yes. for the layman are probably a lot different. They were, they're, they're different, but it shouldn't be too different. I mean, the monastic life, religious life sh- is trying to just to be a development of one's baptism. So it's the same goal, eternal life, you know, okay. life with God, Jesus Christ. Um, and for instance, yeah, religious take vows of poverty, you know, chastity, obedience. Um, but a layman can't do without those in his own way you know chastity within marriage or before marriage um not being greedy avaricious if you're attached to these worldly goods you're not gonna be able to get up to heaven so uh there should be points of contact and analogy so that the way that the religious live out the christian life can be an example which the lay man can take up and use so in the rule of saint benedict he has a chapter called the Tools of good works, instruments of good works, um, and he wants his monks to use these day and night. And by doing so, he will be able to acquire the reward promised by our Lord. What eye has not seen or ear heard, um, and a lot of these actually are directly applicable to life in the world. He starts off with, of course, love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, with all your strength. <clears throat> and he even then even includes things like, do not. Um, commit adultery, do not murder, you know, all these kind of basic commandments. Um, but then he has a number of those relating to mortification. One is do not love soft living or sometimes translated as uh, delicate living or really it's delicious, delights. So do not embrace, you know, seek after this soft living, which in our day and age has become a problem because you don't have to seek after it. It's just all around you. Um, and so... That's why something like going on a camp out can be, or it, yeah, can be ordered to virtue in the Christian life because you sleep outside on the ground. You have to deal with bugs. You know, you don't have the nice, comfortable things, uh, that you're used to. And so that's kind of a helpful, uh, stimulus to realizing those aren't necessary and I shouldn't be grasping at them too eagerly or too attached to them. So the religious has a greater obligation, but even the layman, I think, you know, needs to be aware of that danger. Um, so, unless you have... A, no, a, no, 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 I, I, I think that's great. Um, I think that the rule of St. Benedict is something that we should all read. It's, yes, uh, yes. When I read it as just a dad, I loved it because it was very short, very mm-hmm. full of full of wisdom, yes. you know? And um, most of it you can actually apply to the domestic church. Mm-hmm. A lot of it yep. you can actually apply just to the... Yes. It's not... Strictly, you know, only 
contemplative monks. Right. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. It was full of that. Um, I was kind of uh, a little bit scandalized by some of his recommendations for certain punishments. <laughs> yes. Uh, he was... Uh, St. Benedict, he must have been a tough dude. Yeah. He was uh, He was strict. I mean, he was he that, a good father. What does our Lord say? Like, uh, what does God say? You know, a good father disciplines his children. So, you know, he's not going to let that... Uh, let him grow in wickedness or vice. He says you got to correct that vice as soon as it appears. But he also says you shouldn't... Uh, do it so much that you break the vessel. You know, you shouldn't be so eager that you, you know, wreck the vessel, but you need to cut off that vice. And so, um, but he's also not as strict as some of his predecessors, especially the Irish monks, St. Columban. Um, they would. Wait, St. Columban? Columban. Columba. There's Columba and Columban. Okay. Um, both I, monks. I, I did not know him. And both names very are strict. Both really out of favor, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Calm kill the the Gaelic is calm kill. I knew some people who really and him calm kill. Yeah, a few. Okay. So, I but you're true. Been to Ireland, sure. so I don't. Maybe it's popular here. Yeah, it's a, but anyway, they would they would um, have much stricter punishments and discipline. But Saint Benedict, he's trying to be moderate so that this life is within the reach of all men, um, <laughs> not just kind of the supermen, the strict. I'd be interested in what his severe severity would be like then. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he said, like, it's in the rule. Like, if they break this rule again, they should be flogged. Well, whipped. I mean, often it's more like whipped or... It's not often specified, but he does say, yeah, that's a common... It, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's in there a few times. Yeah. About. Yeah. I, I'm guessing that that's kind of fallen out of uh, practice. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, you, you don't need to resort to... <laughs> Whipping. I thought, but <laughs> yeah. Like, Somebody did ask me when that fell of use. I'm not exactly sure, but it's been a while uh-huh. since um, that was a acceptable punishment. Um, so, how important is it to like it, if you're struggling with the vices that you're talking about? Like, how important is it to understand the temperament of a person in order to root out the vices? That's Good a question. that's a difficult question because. Um, your each temperament is going to have its proclivity to a certain vice or a certain virtue, which can be um, make it more difficult to counteract. But it's it's helpful to know what that is. What is the predominant fault or vice? What am I inclined to? So I can be especially careful to um, hold that in check. So I would say though that um, you know. Whatever it is, you can you can make a start. I mean, there's probably plenty of vices that you can start working on, cutting out. And uh, but it is smart to realize your temperament. What's the main one? What's the one that gives strength to the others and underlies it? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can just tell you as a dad, I have seen that in my own children mm-hmm. a lot. Where mm-hmm. uh, the thing about the thing about it being a dad is you see your own faults a lot in your yeah, children. I know. Your children like kind of like showcase. Here's what actually okay. you do. Yeah. Well, like, uh, so, like, one of my daughters, she's very melancholic, mm-hmm. uh, more emotional, and words of affirmation are, like, way, it's, it has a much bigger effect on mm-hmm. her. So, it's not so much, like, the negative punishment as, yep. like, having positive rewards, yes. you know, positive incentives for when she does well. That actually has an overall effect on her that's much stronger than my other, like, my other daughters, mm-hmm. for instance. Yep. Um, I mean, so I, I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- so, uh, that is something that is, if you don't know it about yourself, you know, what is my own temperament? Because mm-hmm. I, that wasn't something when I was growing up that I ever really heard anything about. Sure. Or I just didn't even know anything about it. So, yep. like, when I finally had that opportunity or when I was exposed to it, uh, that was, it was beneficial for me because it helped me to know myself. Yes. Yep. And so now I can apply this kind uh, of Yes, a more specific, directed way. Well, let's talk about that. We are on the Lord's team. The winning side?
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Thank you, Tyler, for clapping. Give for, a shout out to Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. The the cookie maker. Who makes the best chocolate? The best chocolate chip cookies you'll ever uh, eat. A couple years ago. A couple years ago. Last year. This is, this is his third year. Years ago, he showed up and he sent us an email before he got here saying that he was going to bring the best <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. Bold claim. I thought so. Personally, I thought. This guy's really proud of his chocolate chip cookies. I'll be the judge of this. Yes. Know, let me just tell you something, Father Nesbitt. Yes. I know a chocolate chip cookie. Good. Okay. Yeah. I would be willing to put my own chocolate chip cookie experience up against anybody here. Okay. <laughs> but when I tried this man's chocolate chip cookies, I said, that is a phenomenal chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> that is the best chocolate chip cookie. So anyway, way to go, Tyler. He also started the clap. Yeah, I know. That's why we're giving him the shout out. Well... Other people who haven't seen that, they were not, they're yeah, listening. But that's why we're giving the shout Right, correct. Also because he makes a great chocolate Correct. Uh, so I we're talking about mortification. I give you one, Father, but it's an ember day. Yeah, that's right. It's a fast day. Fast yes. Day today. Also, monks don't eat or drink between meals anyway. So Ever. Except for after work, we get our, um, you can get a drink. Coffee? Water? Coffee, water, tea, milk. Sometimes. Chocolate milk? No. Um, Checking? Water. No, we do drink wine. We make our own wine. We have a vineyard. We make our own wine, which we'll have on meal at the midday meal, Sundays, sometimes feast days, other days. And then we have been brewing beer, but the brother who does that has been too busy, so he that, hasn't been that, brewing that beer. That is unacceptable. Recently. Like, what is he been too busy doing? Doing what? Yeah. Dealing with the wine. I guess it's, you know, been a difficult process. And if you've tried to grow grapes in Oklahoma, you would know. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, it's so not easy. You import the grapes. That's oh, okay. Well, that's, that's, how, that's how not other people do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. You import not grapes, so it's a lot easier. And then you get beer. Yes. So uh, one of the talks that we heard this weekend was from uh, a brother, of, a friend Father of yours, Maury. Father yeah. Maury. And he said something that like really struck me. He said uh, one of the, the biggest faults or one of the biggest um, uh, issues in America is that men don't fast. Yeah. And like there's a lot of issues in America. I, I know you don't know you you don't like like read all the news no, no, and everything no. like that. Whatever. So every time I talk to Father Nesbitt or any of the other uh, monks, it seems I'm like they know. It's like do you have a private Facebook account? Know. I think you have a Facebook account, don't you? No, we we definitely shun those. How do you, yeah. How do you, <laughs> just just quickly, how do you guys stay up to date on stuff? Cuz you do actually seem to be fairly up to date on things. Well, I guess it would mainly be through um Father Abbott, who will survey news, usually from EWTN website or something like that, and then he'll distill that, give it to the monks. Uh-huh. Um, otherwise, just your personal contacts, family, if they visit, friends, letters. Uh, I'm also one of the, I'm an assistant guest master, so I talk to a lot of people who come around. It's probably where I pick up most of those things. But I, I, I would agree with his assessment. It's related to that, do not seek soft living. Um, you know, you got to... Uh, Man up, you know, take right. some suffering, take some punishment. If you're always seeking, that's the origin of the word. Well, no, that's not the origin of the word. But anyway, that's, we have another word for that being effeminate. Effeminacy, right. Uh-huh. So in the beginning of Caesar's Gallic Wars, he says that Provence, the southern France, imports like all these luxurious goods and therefore they're the most effeminate of like these three areas of Gaul. And like, yeah, so it's just, um, Comfort, luxury, surplus of material goods leads to effeminacy. So I didn't need to. I kind of ruined your question there by just. I, I jumped you. No, about, no, no. About fasting for yes. the men. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Fasting is um, something that nobody likes. Nobody likes. If you like fasting, I think that you probably have like a psychological disorder or something. He's going to prove you wrong. Right? Yeah, I just got to check something here. Um, so among those instruments of good works, St. Bank says, Amare Yunium, to love fasting. Oh, great. He wants yeah. you to... <laughs> I'm the one with the psychological decision. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. I gotta go. <laughs> but, um, of course, it's, uh, it hurts. You know, you don't like it for the sake of pain. You like it for the discipline. Yeah. Like we were saying earlier, the freedom that it brings. Yeah. You're not gonna be dependent on that comfort of the belly to do your duty to enjoy life. 
So St. Benedict wants you to amare yeunium, to love fasting. So I, I totally agree with that. And I like can think of a lot of examples in my own life where there are disciplines that I have given myself that I don't like the disciplines themselves, but mm-hmm. I like the freedom that those disciplines yes. give to me or to my family. Mm-hmm. or uh, What you can offer up to our Lord. Right, just or just like mm-hmm. the order or the goodness. Because there is a goodness in many disciplines. Whether, yes. whether they're mortifications or not, not all discipline is a mortification. I, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I know, you're it, it, denying it, your will. Yeah, right? I suppose it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, discipline is no longer a mortification. At some point, it does become a joy mm-hmm. because you have come to know like in the biblical sense, you like know the the goodness yes from the discipline. So I mean, I, so I do see I see what he means there to yes. love <laughs> fasting. Love the fasting. Yep. I don't love fasting. I'm not there. I will tell you, uh, I don't like it. I I do it, but good. That's the first step. You just do it. Yeah. So um, why? Uh, hold on. Can I can I finish my question? Like we started off, and I was like talking about. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, so he's talking about like you know one of the biggest uh, things in, in America is that men don't fast, right? And I I think when people hear that they're like, listen, there are a lot of issues in America. Mm-hmm. I know again, I don't I know you don't know all of them. I'm not going to even you know Good. taint don't your yeah yeah scandalize you, but like there are a lot of issues in America. Uh, number seventy four seventy five is where I'd probably rank <laughs> men not fasting. Sure. Although Father Maury said like top three maybe top five sure i think that's also because though he understands maybe the economy of grace way better than i do uh i also was thinking that he probably understood it a lot better. <laughs> i think everybody here under, <laughs> like realized this but like yeah. so like why would he say that like why, why do you think that that like there are a lot of problems in america top three top five men not mm-hmm. fasting why is that why, why would you say uh, that unwillingness to deny oneself to undergo pain and suffering for the sake of a good, that if you take it in the general sense that way, well, that's the door to all sin, basically, you know, any, uh, all these many problems, whether it be drug addiction, pornography, all these things can be related, related to that. You're fleeing from that difficulty, that pain, that suffering, and you don't want to, uh, push through that or embrace it. So just that general notion of mortification, is going to be a preservative for manly virtue. And if you're not going to do that, and the most concrete indication of that is fasting, to deny your food, that's the most, you know, recurrent and pressing need. It's an actual need, so it's not like you can just forego it, but you, um, it's, uh, it hits home, I guess. It hits the hardest. So, my, my question was going to be to you about how to fast, mm-hmm. um, because, I think a lot of people might say, well, hey, I have to work. I have a family I have to keep up with. Yes. Um, but I think that your insight into this question is good because you monks are doing physical labor. I mean, you're doing mm-hmm. manual labor yep. you know, every day. And so like, that's a part of your life in a way that I think it's probably not part of most people's lives. I mean, okay, cer- yeah. certainly there are uh, many laborers mm-hmm. you know, who are family men. And that's something where, where fasting has to... They have yes. to find their own way to incorporate fasting. If you're yes. a laborer, yep. uh, maybe you can't do fasting the way you know somebody who sits at a desk all yes. day. Um, but what is your recommendation for the average man? Like, what should fasting? What should their fasting routine look like? Uh, maybe, maybe it's not going to be there right now. What, what's a good goal to shoot for? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess <clears throat> to start off, one thing to get men on the right track maybe is another monastic practice is that you don't eat between meals you don't take snacks you know um that's not fasting not but it is chips and salsa no not even chips oh wow no. okay. yeah and uh i mean there's always gonna be occasions where that you don't have to hold it but maybe as a general rule and that's kind of a putting a limit putting a restraint mortification on that need to eat um, which can be developed into actual fasting which is to take just one meal during the day um and as like, what should that routine look like? I'm not sure. I mean, maybe somebody who does labor, maybe if they did that at breakfast, they had their big meal at breakfast, they'd have enough to get through the day. You still need to be able to 
accomplish your duties without um, endangering your health, which most Americans also take way too seriously. And <laughs> <laughs> I think we're a long way from that. <laughs> so, okay. so yeah, we don't need to worry about that. Um, <laughs> I also don't think that's what we should be worried about. Right? Right. But I do think of, um, we read Father Chiswick, one of his books, and he was a prisoner in the concentration, uh, the uh, gulags in Siberia, doing manual labor, shoveling coal 14 hours a day on survival rations. Uh, so men can do it. And then he had even people there who would forego their meals so that they could attend his mass to receive the Eucharist. So they were fasting <coughs> while he, doing... He me, I think yep. the book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So, I mean, there you have... That's a heroic, <coughs> excuse me, virtue. Um, but it's within the realm of possibility. And I think I would just encourage American men to try, you know, see what it... You know, what is your capacity? What is your limit? Not just, oh, I feel weak. It's harder. I... My stomach hurts or whatever, my headache, but just, you know, kind of experiment and they can kind of figure out, well, actually it is possible. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I realized that I used as an excuse when I first started fasting was like, oh, well, I get a headache. Uh, and as it's like, yes, of course you get a headache. You are not, you know, you're not getting all the nutrients that yes. your body wants. But then once your body gets used to it, then the headache kind of stops coming. Uh I don't. <laughs> so I'm just trying to be, I'm just offering creative. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll be right back. I don't like those creative solutions. We'll be right back. Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great, the best hotels. You're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Thaddeus didn't even clap. He did not even clap. He would at least whoop or something. Yeah, like. Yeah, there. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Here with Adam Minahan, we have Father Nesbitt, monk, priest, brother. Yes. Clear Creek Abbey. Here at Our Lady of Clear Creek Abbey. Is it just Clear Creek Abbey, or is it like the official. Is it Our Lady of Clear Creek Abbey? The official title is Our Lady of the Annunciation at Clear Creek. Oh, of the Annunciation. So March twenty fifth, our that's your original. Big day. Yep, during yeah. Lent, and we still fast. So what? <laughs> that's the worst. Wait, so what? You fast on your like on your feast day? day? Yep, it's Lent. We just it's Lent. You just do Lent, and uh, it is a better lunch. There's nice things at lunch, but but it's still real small. No lunch. So I guess going into the question of fasting, what do we do? We just have a very small at breakfast. You just get a little bit of coffee and a small piece of bread. Lunch is a normal meal. Okay. Um, and for us, it's one, always that's your one meal. It's the main meal, yes. So it's a large meal, and then dinner is just again a small few things, just kind of. Okay, but hold on. Let me let me ask because, like, ontologically, isn't it like that? It's better to feast well than fast well. Like, doesn't Peeper talk about this? Yeah, like, uh, feast, like feasting the feasting is, more is actually more important than the fasting. Because ontological realities are more important than earthly realities. That's a very good point. You uh, should you should mention that to Father Abbott. Yeah, I think I, I think we got an in for you here. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's that's a good point. But I mean, as Bishop Sheen would say too, the feast for Christians, the feast, the fast become comes before the feast. Yes. You know, and then for the worldlings, it's the feast and then the hangover. You know, you, you're not going to escape it. You got to do one or the other. And so, yeah. for us, we're still on this earth. We're still in the Valley of Tears, and you know that's the reality. So, in heaven, there won't be fasting. It'll be the wedding feast. But right now, temporal reality, we're in it, so... See, this is fasting. why I, I don't think it that way. I don't think... I'm thinking like, you oh, to, like, 
liturgically, I I, yeah, I, liturgically, I get I get to feast right now. That's right. You you have a big sumptuous liturgy, you know, uh, the chants and the, which actually though is more tiring. You get up earlier, you have more work in a sense, but that's that's part of the, the feasting. So yeah, we we observe the solemnity, liturgical solemnity, and um, but we keep the fast. So on that day, you have your your liturgy is uh, very solemn. Yes. Okay, but just food wise. Food wise. Yep. But you, but you're excited to fast that day. It's a more exciting day. Of fasting. Sure. I guess you might not notice as much because there's just so much other stuff going on. Yeah. You're not too concerned about the good meal. Although, again, we're still humans. We're still bodies and souls. So there is that draw. But uh, that's also when when Saint Benedict talks about Lent. He says that you know they need to sleep less, eat less, talk less, do more prayers, all looking forward with a spiritual joy towards the joy of Easter and just saying, like, there's more than the bodily joy. There's more than the joy of the stomach that you're looking forward to. Um, although that is part of it, you know. When you get towards Easter, you're, yeah, you're tired and you're ready to have some feasting. And then you get your 50 days of Paschal time with no fasting. So it does outweigh the preceding Fasting. Yeah. So fasting is one of the things that is very difficult at first. But I, I found that quickly your body, like you learn to really physically adapt. Mm-hmm. This is what I was trying to say right before you were talking right. about punching me in the face. Right the break, I'm trying to yeah. bring it back. Okay. To bring it back. Wow. Um, first time for the Catholic show. <laughs> so for the, I mean, for the monks, how long does it take you just in your own, for, for yourself, like, when Lent, obviously, probably mm-hmm. the first couple of days of Lent, yep. those are probably harder days. Yep. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what sort of timeline I would give myself, but probably within a week, you know, you're you kind of uh, get used to it. Yes. And, and so, I mean, you're still like I said, you're still weak. You kind of still you feel it. That's the point. But um, doesn't really bother you as much. You just keep going on and yeah. So the Ember days are a little bit harder. So four times a year, you have the Ember days which um, are at the beginnings of the seasons, and they used to be times when they ordained priests. And so Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, you have fasting. And those are kind of often harder because you haven't been fasting, and then you just get these right. intermittent days. And so, um, But again, you know, also the more you do it in terms of just the longer you've practiced it, the less it's going to bother you, the less you're going to care that your stomach hurts or something. You're, you're not. So the longer you're a monk the less it's going to bother you really too. That's And and the same is true I, for anybody. I, so I, that's why I wanted to just bring this up as an encouragement to people. If fasting is something you have found to be difficult, it's one of those things you have to just persevere. Mm-hmm. Um, because, for instance, if you just stop eating food altogether, within 24 hours, you're going to be in a rough place. Mm-hmm. But if you keep not eating food, like 12 hours more, 12 hours later, all of a sudden, it's not nearly. 24 hours in gets really, really hard. Yeah. And then if you keep just on a strict fast, not eating anything, yeah. actually then day number two is significantly easier than day number one. And it's because your body is starting to adjust, you know, like yeah. there's, there's all sorts of physiological changes your body sure. is making. Um, and so it's something that you, it really does require perseverance. Yes. Um but I want to ask you this because the, when I, I don't know, like six or seven years ago, um, when I, I was newly married and like starting to, I had like more of a reason to fast now. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, a, a wife, you know, and yep. a family. Family, yeah. Um, I found I was irritable, you know, and I was having to, to walk a balance between am I actually... Is, is my fasting, like, inclining me more to sin, mm-hmm. you know? Or making it, like, n- like not good for your family life in general. Right. Like, I sure. mean, I just wasn't a pleasant... I was, it was a struggle in the beginning. Um, somehow I, yep. like, kind of made it through that. But it wasn't easy. Like, do you have any advice or, uh, like, guidance for what is the line in the beginning? Because if you just mm-hmm. try to, like, oh... Fasting. I heard about this idea. It's called yeah. fasting. I'm gonna. I'm a faster now, right? Like yep. it's gonna go very badly. <laughs> sure. So how do you ease into it? Um, I would say you just want to do like a day at a time. You know, just take a Friday, 
you know, mm-hmm. and just do one day. Um, you're not going to, you should be able to survive one day. You know, I can do that. And uh, the other thing is, yes, mortification fasting is ordered to charity and the growth of virtue. So you don't want to be making now your penances, mortification, the end, and then being, you know, a worse person for being more irritable. But part of that is uh, the growth of virtue comes from the fact that you are unhappy. Your body's not happy. It doesn't have the food it wants, and so you are, you know, physiologically more irritable, and that can kind of, it will hopefully show then your need for a greater virtue, and then it will help you exercise that greater virtue. So I wouldn't be afraid of things like that, but yeah, if it's somehow wrecking your home life, you're not doing it right, you know? Um, or if you're... Um, you know, going to tell your grandma or your mom on her birthday, sorry, mom, I'm not coming to your birthday party because I'm fasting today. You know, you've that's not the right attitude. But uh, I would say, yeah, if you just are taking one day at a time, uh, once a week or something like that, there's not going to be any danger um, of it going out of control, undermining charity. Um, also, pride, it's not going to be feeding your pride because, you know, you just do it once a day, you know, once yeah. a week or something. You're not, you're not anything great. Don't worry about it. And so, like, the, the, the standard traditional wisdom of the church for, like, fasting, the average person is two small meals that, when added together, do not equal one regular meal. Yes. Plus one regular meal. Yes. Throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So, like, from a Catholic perspective, when Catholics say on fasting, that is like the kind of that's the standard. Just in case people like yeah. don't know, that is the standard for what fasting means. Um, some people go beyond that, and that's yes. that's great. You know, according like if you can do more and sure. you you feel that it, you know, feel called to do more, you, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just like just share my own personal uh, choices that I've made. I fast on Wednesday for my family. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing where. Uh, you know, so th- on Wednesday, I'm not going to drink alcohol. Um, I'm not going to have snacks between meals. I'm going to have, I, I have an, one egg for mm-hmm. breakfast. I have a handful of peanuts for lunch. Yeah. And then I have a regular dinner. Yeah. Um, on Thursdays, I skip lunch uh, in order to fast for an end to abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Fridays, I do the whole regular thing again, where like an egg for breakfast, peanuts for lunch. And I do that uh, uh, for the conversion of my brother, um, or and and my other family members. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, so that's just kind of what's worked out for me. Um, sure. and, and in the beginning, when I started doing it, it was hard, but actually, within a couple weeks, I quickly adjusted, and mm-hmm. it's not as hard as it used to be, which I'm I'm glad of. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it still is a challenge. But it's. Um, you know, also there's going to be grace to, if you commit, I think, to a, yes. a lifestyle of, or a, you know, a schedule anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that you're going to have the grace to do it. Yeah, and that's a good point to bring up too, that it's not only, I guess, a personal discipline, growing your virtue, but it is something that can be offered for expiation, you know, to bring the kingdom of God to other people, other causes, Um so our Lord fasted. He had no need to fast. He was perfect. Had all great, full, you know, right. filled with grace. And he did it part of an example, partly to merit for us and bring it. So it is a good motivation, too, um, to step into that fasting. You have to be offering. You have to be giving of yourself to these other um, causes, to especially your family. So I think that's a, a good motivation for people, too. Father Desmond, thank you so much. Sure. So if you're listening to the radio, check us out on the podcast, the CatholicManshow.com. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Okay. Wait, you said you had something. Go ahead. Okay. I said that for you. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, so um, one of the questions I was uh, I was wanting to ask you is that you know St. Thomas Aquinas talks about effeminacy talks yeah. and talks about like okay well, well effeminate if you use like oh this is an effeminate man man uh, a lot of times in today's world 
I think a lot of people don't even understand what that what that phrase means. You know what? On this campout, I had this exact conversation with somebody here who, like, we were talking what about, was actually, it? that's not what effeminacy is. Effeminacy is more right. like... It's a, unwilling uh, to do the arduous for the sake of, of the giving in the pr- like pleasure yeah. for comforts. Right? Isn't that what Aquinas says? You can, you can I don't know me. what he says, so I'd have to, I would be glad to look. But, I, would, I would like to look people, it up. Now, I think I used to actually have this notion that I thought effeminacy was, like, feminine, like, like feminine, feminine. Oh uh, yeah, feminine, and it's effeminacy is not feminine. That's like, true. It's not girly men. It's yeah. men who are, uh, like, who are afraid of being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. essentially. And and you uh, could have yeah. a a huge burly dude, you know, who lifts weights and can, like, just like crush bones with his bare muscles, who doesn't like to be cold. You know, yeah, and whines yeah. like a little baby if he's cold. Yeah. Uses skin lotion all the time. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't even skin know people lotion. used lotion, to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't even know they made that for men. Yeah, but they Did do. Did you know that they actually do sell skin lotion for uh, men? I'm it's not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, it's but... It's disgusting. Yeah, okay. I'm disgusted by it. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, so, so it, if that's the case, it, it, so it's not actually not willing to work hard... It's actually not willing to work hard for the sake of the comfort. So those are two different, I think, right. distinctions, so it's right? Not it's not like, yeah. Sloth is kind of like similar that you don't want to have to like actually Exert do yourself. the arduous work. Mm-hmm. Effeminacy is more of like I don't want to have to be uncomfortable. Yes, that sounds good to me. But like I said, I don't know. I haven't read. I don't uh, quite remember what Saint Thomas would give as his definition, but. You have not uh, memorized the Summa. No. Right. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not I, I have in I Latin, Latin actually. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. All right. That surprises me. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> you just <laughs> no. But that was a joke. I mean, it is. I think it is related though to feminine in that women are more delicate, sensitive for the reason that they have to raise their children, nurse their children. Um. So I think it is still related. You know that men who are too sensitive and that is they don't want to suffer on un- any discomfort in a way are are likened to women but yeah you don't want to put down women I either so yeah no i, I see that mm-hmm. but so how do you ha- so how do you build up this virtue how do you build up the the denial of your will to do the arduous to do the mm-hmm. you know the hard work yep. and denying yourself with with the pleasure can i mean like what are some practical ways of like small things like small ways to build up to the the, the ember days if you will which we oh, did yeah. a whole episode on by the way you can oh, go well. back and check right. check check that out but yeah so like how do you build up to get to where you are doing the ember days correctly things like that well i think like i said you just fasting as well just to, or again start taking some days as david was saying maybe take some days where you don't eat between meals you know ever or um but I think just the discipline of fasting for one day is not something so arduous that you need to build up to it. You just need to do it. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, but you don't want to, like, then the next day or the day before, like, really, I need to prep by eating way more. You know, you just... Wait, just Mardi Gras is like, that's like what Mardi Gras is, right? Also, that's not a church <laughs> institution. I mean, that's... Also, it doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much. It you actually eat. makes it worse. I think yeah, it does make it worse. If yeah, you like, eat a bunch before and it, you're actually more hungry, I, and I it actually makes it think worse. you're right. I think if you like eat stuff yourself the day before, then yep. the day, the next day when you fast, I do think it's worse. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that is like I'm totally with you on that. But I, other little things, I mean, something like um, don't use hot water whenever you wash your hands. Mm-hmm. I mean. In the winter, you know, it doesn't matter in the summer. In the winter, okay, don't ever use hot water. In the shower, well, I wouldn't, I don't know, I couldn't recommend everybody, like, just take a cold shower, but, you know, just tap it or something, or or um, just little ways like that, or don't use the AC in your car on certain days, you know? Um, I, w- I would not like I would not like that. <laughs> that is not something. <laughs> I, I mean, there's other factors, too, okay? You got to go to work or whatever you do, yeah. yeah. I, I do not but like that idea. I didn't specify that, but... No. I mean, <laughs> <come on. laughs> You're going to be a sweaty wreck when you get there. Yes. So, yeah, it kind of depends on what you need to be doing. Right. If you have your a destination. Suit on, right, you're meeting with clients, maybe run the AC. Yes. You know. 
Um, well, like I said, camping. I mean, you got to sleep on the ground. So yeah. that's uh, things like that. Um, I don't know. Don't. Uh, St. Jose Maria Escrivá has a lot of good mm -hmm. little examples yep. about like meal times, mm -hmm. uh, little things you can do, you know, like have little, like half a scoop less than mm -hmm. what you would yeah. want otherwise. Yeah. Like ha doing little bitty sacrifices that hopefully no one even notices yes. you're doing. Yep. Um, Two shakes with the salt instead of three. Right. Yep. Things stuff, like that. Stuff like that. Which I think is good because... I actually think sometimes, though, that is even harder than, like, n like abstaining completely. So, like, sometimes if abstaining completely, you, like, set set these guardrails. It's like, yeah. nope, I'm not going to do any of that. I totally agree. That's yeah. that's not that's not hard for it's me because like mentally, I've already I've already committed to yep. this. It's mm -hmm. easier to have no ice cream than just like one <laughs> little bite. Yes. You know? Right. Yeah. My mother-in-law, she's like a ninja. She can have three M&Ms. <laughs> and that's all she wants. She's like, oh no, that's plenty. <laughs> it's like, what? what? <laughs> three M&Ms. Like, I would rather have no M&M's. If I'm going to have M&M's, I yeah. want, like, I'm going to be now having M&M's. You know what That's I'm right. saying? <laughs> like, a bag. Yeah. <laughs> like, now I'm casually grazing on M&M's until I decide I've had too many. <laughs> and I'm regretting yeah. it. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or like, okay, don't put sugar in your coffee or something like that. Or, oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I thought we were talking about non-effeminate people. <laughs> <laughs> Or yogurt. Like in the monster, if you eat the yogurt, it's just straight yogurt. Right. It's Greek, just like... I don't know what Greek is, the, but... It's well, it has... The, you take the whey out. The whey... The, like, the whey is the sugar. My wife makes yogurt. All right. So, yeah, like, Greek yogurt means you take all the, the whey. Yeah. And that's, like, kind of the sweet sugar. Yeah, so it doesn't taste sweet. So, yeah, don't put any sugar on that plain yogurt, which is not vanilla or vanilla plain, but it's, like, actually no sugar in it. Right. Um, yeah, little things like that, or... Um, just you know, I mean, there's some things that just in uh, instilling discipline will, you know, go across the board. Like getting up on time, don't hit that snooze for. That's the worst. Yeah, know. yeah, that was a hard one. <laughs> that is actually. Hard. What about yeah. adding more to your prayer life? How do you feel about that? Like, in far as mortification, like not mortification, but like a disciplined life. Yeah. Um, adding more prayer to your prayer life. Yes. Um, so that's what Saint Benedict wants monks to do during Lent, also. Say more prayers, add some more prayers. You're not going to be able to do that without, you know, adjusting something elsewhere too. So it's yeah, it's going to involve some extra discipline to fit that in and keep all the other things. So I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah, I'm going to add more prayers, which means I have to cut this other thing out and I have to see what should be cut out. You know, um, you know, I watch YouTube X amount of minutes or hours every week. It's like all right, I got cut that much out in order to uh, get that extra prayer and that reading time. Mm -hmm. So, like the, uh, especially during Lent, the church, the thing it always recommends is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Mm -hmm. As monks, are you able to do almsgiving? Like, As you know? a monastery, yes. Like, so monk, vow of poverty, you have no personal you property. You don't have any money to give. I don't have any money, yeah, right. so I can't give it away, but as a monastery, we do give money, alms, to people around here. Um, like local. More so in, during Lent than other times? Um, I would say so, but we do it all the time. So, um, But that, not too sure, but um, it is a practice we do. Whether it's more in Lent, I would, I would guess that's the case, but yeah. not sure. So this, so, is, my la this is my last question. Kay. It has a kind of follow-up to Adam's question about praying more. Mm -hmm. I have found, for me, the... The secret to praying more is going to bed on time. Sure. I I think that for you, the, you know, you live with this a life of order and discipline. Yep. You go to bed at probably we don't. The, the we're, same time. We're chaotic. But like, yep. Yeah, we're us, chaotic. Like in the family life, you know, like maybe the sure. kids go to, bed, go to bed late. You know, sometimes it's honestly, I get maybe an hour and a half of actually like spending time with my bride. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, when the kids go to bed, and like, okay, well, if we go to, if the kids don't go to bed because we're at a friend's house, mm -hmm. they don't, we don't even get home till nine nine thirty. Okay, we finally get the kids down. Now, like, 
that is a it's a it really mm-hmm. is day to day kind of a, a a challenge sometimes. Yeah. How much like getting to spend time with her and then getting to bed. I find that we rarely go to bed before eleven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that makes prayer in the morning makes it hard because yeah. I'm exhausted still, even though I get up to do it. Yeah. Um, I can tell the difference. You know, if I go to bed, you know, before 10 o'clock, which almost never happens, mm-hmm. the next day, my prayer life is, I, I can I can feel that I'm more present. Yes. Do you have any, any wisdom to share about, like, going to bed early <laughs> that would make me want to Just do it? Just do it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does St. Benedict talk about it in the rule? I don't, rec- I don't recall if he actually mentions that. Well, he says, yeah, I mean, basically, you have Compline. After Compline, you don't talk, and you go to bed, and you wake up in the morning. So he doesn't really But that's hard for us, right? Cause, oh, like, yeah. My yeah, wife, my wife would not like that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Oh, I agree. But honey, the rule says we can't Some wives may actually like that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, it's like, hey, honey, the rule says we can't talk, <laughs> but it doesn't say we can't do other things. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, one point, though, is that. <laughs> Just because you feel better in the I'm morning, sorry, Father. I, <laughs> sex. That's a. Uh, you're in the world. Yeah, I mean, we're monks. Yeah, you're merry men. Yeah. Oh, we digress. But yeah, just because you get up in the morning, you're more tired, doesn't mean you're praying more, you know, poorly or something. So that's part of it. Like, why do you pray? It's not to feel good. It's not to feel better. Um, it is to communicate with our Lord, to um, offer something to you. So I think it just kind of would vary, you know. Your prayer when you're tired in the morning is more of an offering or a suffering or undergoing yeah. than a communing, you know, a conversation, but it still counts. It does. I, yeah, I know that. I feel like in, if I'm very tired, I'm just so distracted also mm-hmm. that instead of actually praying, I realize over the last 10 minutes, I have been thinking about, like, how much slower does my car go if my tires are worn down because my wheels are a little bit smaller? And I wonder, what like, actually, how many extra miles might be on my odometer because I was driving with worn down tires? Like, it probably says there's more miles on my car than there really are. And I can't get the, as and much for like money. 10 minutes, that's what I've been thinking about. <laughs> that, is realized, like, that is weird. Okay, that is like, weird. That is weird. Oh, oh, it's it's the weirdest stuff. It's stuff yeah, that is. Yeah. And that that was what you seemed like you deemed okay for the radio. Like I couldn't even imagine <laughs> what it was like. like. The, th- the first thing that came to my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the stuff I actually think about during prayer is often much stranger than that. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I only have so much time to spend, and I realize. Oh, there goes ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, it's stuff like that when yeah. I get when I get tired, and yeah. I'm still I'm still up trying to offer my prayer, you know. And it's my intention yes. is to pray. Yep. I, it's my desire to pray. Yep. I, I lack sometimes the physical and the mental ability to do so. Yeah, and that doesn't take away from the prayer. I mean, praise God, yes. oh, He is so good. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh so still do it, even yep. if you don't feel like that That's you're right. doing it well. Oh, yeah. Yep. And sometimes your prayer is only distractions that you are not consciously indulging. Right. But, again, if you don't lose that intention and you don't follow that down, and whenever you s- realize that you're trying to turn attention back to God, well, that's that's prayer. Uh-huh. Um, so I have weird prayers then. I'll just tell you. They're sure. Weird. Yeah. I know. I know. I know what you're talking about. No, no you don't know. You don't, under, you don't even know. <laughs> Hey, hey, Father Nesbitt, I want to thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on again to the Catholic Man Show. I want to encourage all the men here to uh, Google Clear Creek Abbey and make a donation. Please, please. Sure. Go, um, go and, like, if you, first of all, everybody who's listening, if you haven't been here to Clear Creek, please come and visit the monks. Uh, sure. Come and pray with them. Uh, come and, and even stay with them in. That's right. In, uh, mm-hmm the guest house or in, mm-hmm. in the cloister itself for, for yep. men. Yep. Um, and come and see, I want to, I want people to do that just to come and see the, the beautiful mm-hmm. everything here. Yes. Um, and if, if it's so on your, on your heart to make a donation to the, 
to do to do so to the incredible um, monastery abbey that they're building. Yes, yes. do Please it. Do so. And I also want to thank you um, for you know just for your prayers. There's a lot of great fruit that is happening yes. in the diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma over the last 20 years. Uh, and the trajectory of where we are headed with with our, our great bishop, Bishop David yes. Carla, um and his vision, and the priests that we have in our diocese, yes. we are um, an anomaly, I think, to a lot of uh, a lot of dioceses. And I, I and I actually I think that most of that is because we've had over the last twenty plus years um, your guys your prayers for the diocese for the bishop, yes. um, and we're we're yielding that. That's yielding um, really great fruit. So, um, just from the bottom of my heart, I, I'm very, very grateful. You're welcome. Yeah, and we're very glad to be here with good bishop, good diocese, good priests, and so we're happy to contribute in the way that we can. You know, by praying, by being an example uh, in our community life, hopefully also personal life. But uh, so yeah, we keep you all in our prayers, and we're very pleased to be a part of this and the good initiatives in this diocese, like your man show, Kathy Man Show. And uh, so we'll continue to do so with the help of God's grace. Yes, please. Praise God. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming to the Catholic Mansion, the fifth annual Catholic Mancho campout. We are on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.